ancient wisdom can often shed light on what modern culture has forgotten. The four cardinal virtues of justice, fortitude, temperance and prudence were first identified by the ancient Greeks as the foundations of a good moral life from which every other virtue grew. Later on, Catholic theologians like St. Ambrose and St. Thomas Aquinas would continue to recognize these virtues as foundations for holiness. And in fact, the medieval church did much to promulgate them. However, perhaps something about their rather archaic names have led to them becoming somewhat forgotten to your average Catholic today. I certainly never remember anyone talking about them in Sunday school or youth group or in the homilies that I listened to growing up. Yet, without the intentional development of these cardinal virtues, we can too easily over-spiritualize our faith while living a life crippled by bad habits and enslaved to our baser passions. As such, today, I'll be focusing on recovering the definition and place of the four cardinal virtues. To do this, I'll borrow one of literature's greatest paragons of virtue, Aragorn, the great leader, healer, warrior, lover, and king within J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings. You're listening to The Myth Pilgrim, and I am Brother Lawrence of the Missionaries of God's Love. At its heart, the spiritual journey is a delightful and perilous adventure, just like the myths and fairy tales we love. This podcast is also a journey, learning from both wizards and saints, enchanted princesses and inner demons. Together, we'll discover how the great symbols of myth and fairy tale can guide us on our journey to God. For the purposes of this episode, we won't do any story summary, but I will begin with a character summary of our star today. Most of you will remember that Aragorn is actually a king, the last in the line of kings extending all the way back to Isildur, the man who cut off the ring from Sauron's finger. Aragorn was the child born to King Arathorn and Queen Gilrian. He lost his father when he was two, leaving him to be raised by his mother and Elrond, the Lord Elf of Rivendell. There he learned the art of medicine and to be a skilled outdoorsman and ranger. When we first meet him in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, he is in a sort of self-imposed exile, going by the name of Strider, known only as a ranger who freely wandered the world. Part of the reason for his exile was his mistrust in his own capacity to lead, with him believing that weakness lay in his historical bloodline. After all, it was that same ancestor of his, Isildur, that had also failed to destroy the ring when he had the chance to, choosing instead to seize it for his own power, a move which led to his downfall. Much of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, then, is the story of Aragorn coming to terms with his royal identity, a journey that would take place within the dramatic unfolding of the War of the Ring. After the fall of Gandalf, Aragorn becomes the natural leader within the Fellowship, and by the end of the story, plays an instrumental role in orchestrating the conditions by which the ring could be destroyed. Okay, so with that backdrop in mind, let's now look at each of the four cardinal virtues that Aragorn exemplifies. The first virtue we'll look at today is fortitude, sometimes translated simply as courage. 
Courage is the moderation of our natural fear responses, because when fear is left unchecked, it is one of the most powerful forces that drives us or enslaves us. Without the virtue of courage, our lives become dominated by the fight, flight, or freeze response. Note that courage isn't the absence of fear, but rather the mastery over it. It seeks to moderate between two extremes. Crippling anxiety on one end and complete recklessness on the other. St. Thomas Aquinas talks about how the virtue of courage actually engages human reason in the midst of our usual fear response. As such, it takes time and patience to acquire, something any firefighter or soldier would know. Courage is not recklessness, for indeed, one of the things that separates a firefighter from a teenage driver doing 100 in a 40 zone. Is the use of right reason. Aragon then is a model of courage because he demonstrated a sound mind set upon a cause worth fighting for, one that overrode his own need for self preservation. His fear of losing all that he loved was greater than his fear for himself. One of the greatest scenes where he exhibits this courage, of course, is the final march to the Black Gate, as seen in The Return of the King. Wanting to distract the eye of Sauron from the two little hobbits ascending Mount Doom, he effectively walks to Mordor as life bait. Though Aragorn knew that he and the last army of free men were marching into near certain death, he was still virtuous enough to inspire courage to all his men. He says, I see in your eyes the, the same, same fear, fear that, that would take, take the heart of me. A day may come. When the courage of men fails, when we forsake our friends and break all bonds of fellowship. But it is not this day. An hour of wolves and shattered shields when the age of men comes crashing down. But it is not this day. This day we fight. By all that you hold dear on this good earth, I bid you stand, men of the West! Then, in Tolkien's own words, the following happens. Surrounded and outnumbered a thousand to one, the armies of men stood. In the darkest hour, on the brink of annihilation, the last army of man did the unthinkable. They charged. The second cardinal virtue we'll explore is justice. Often, when we hear the word justice, it is often tainted by a sense of revenge or vengeance for wrongdoing. Headlines like, Criminal finally receives justice, color the way we understand the word. But in the Catholic context, justice actually means to make rightly ordered, or to restore what has become disordered. It is about returning things to its state of natural balance, to reorder the cosmos according to the natural law of how God made things. In this light, even when we think of God's justice, it is not to be understood as his punishment or wrath for sinners, but rather God's allowing of sin to run its natural course, that is, suffering, death, and separation from him. What would be disordered is if an unrepentant sinner. Were to sin without the natural consequences of their sins. 
Does this sound strange? Well, deep inside us, something within us actually demands that there is justice for those who perpetrate it. Else there wouldn't be such outrage within us when we hear atrocities like militia bombing a maternity hospital or mass shootings at a primary school. We know that there is a moral order to the universe and we react when someone acts against this. In this light, let us look to Aragorn as the paragon of justice. There are many moments I could pick from and you'd think I'd mention obvious stuff like the fact that he is the king and seeks to restore justice to the lands shredded by Mordor. But one of my favourite illustrations of justice in Aragorn is his refusing to take the ring from Frodo, even when it was offered to him. Unlike just about every other man and creature alive who would sooner kill and cheat and sell their soul for the ring, Aragorn recognises that it is Frodo that was anointed as ring bearer, and it was his alone to carry. To adhere to this truth was just, because remember that justice means rightly ordered. To seize the ring or to abandon his mission to protect the ring bearer would indeed have been disordered and contribute to the very shadow that was covering Middle Earth. Likewise in our lives, when we try to act in a way that contradicts the natural order of things according to God, we are acting in a disorderly fashion and are working against true justice. St Thomas Aquinas fans would also add that justice always has a social dimension a sort of regulation on how we treat our fellow men. A just man is one who lives in harmony with the people around him. One of the reasons why Aragorn is often celebrated as the archetype of masculinity is that he uses his strength to defend the weak and to fight for all that is true, good and beautiful in Middle-earth. To my fellow men listening to this podcast, what do we rise up for to defend? How will we use our strength? to defend those around us without a voice and without an advocate. This is one measure of how we exhibit the virtue of justice. The third cardinal virtue we'll explore is prudence. Often called the queen of all the virtues, prudence is the ability to make right decisions at the right time. A prudent person decides his actions based on careful consideration and information. Aquinas talks about prudence as acting in conformity with reality. I love that definition, often because we make decisions not based on reality, but rather on our warped perception of it. For example, we might be tempted to lash out at a colleague who always arrives late for work, whereas the prudent thing to do would be to first ask him why he is always late. When we learn the reality of his circumstances, that he has to care for two disabled children at home, our subsequent actions then are more in conformity with reality. They become more prudent. An example of Aragorn's prudence takes place shortly after Gandalf the Grey is apparently slain by the Balrog inside the mines of Moria. Naturally, the Fellowship are in grief and shock, unable to think rationally. However, after Gandalf's fall, they are immediately ambushed by orcs and are in great peril. Checking his own emotions, Aragorn realises that he must now take on the role of leader and to lead the Fellowship forward. While the pastoral thing to do will be to give the Fellowship time to grieve and process the loss of their mentor, the prudent thing to do would be to get them up and to flee the orcs while they still could. Here is the relevant scene that captures this in the movie adaptation. Legolas, 
Get them out. Give them a moment, for pity's sake! By nightfall, these hills will be swarming with orcs. We must reach the woods of Lothlorien. Come, Boromir. Legolas. Gimli, get them up. On your feet, sir. Frodo? Frodo! Again, we can recognize that prudence is making decisions in conformity with reality. In this case, that the mountains would be swarming with orcs by nightfall. There will be a time and place to grieve, and maybe even democratically elect a new leader, but now is not that time. The prudent thing to do would be to flee, and in doing so, honor the sacrifice that Gandalf had given his life for. If you're enjoying this episode of The Myth Pilgrim, do consider sharing it with your friends so that we can together encounter God veiled in our favourite tales. I'm always open to your feedback and ideas too, so always feel free to contact me on The Myth Pilgrim Facebook page or through the website at themythpilgrim.com. The final virtue we'll look at today is temperance. In summary, temperance refers to the moderation of our desire for pleasure, especially the bodily ones. It usually refers to the keeping in check things like appetite, sexual desire, entertainment and comfort. Temperance seeks to maintain a healthy middle ground between excessive indulgence and robotic suppression. It certainly doesn't deny the goods of the body, but nor does it idolise it, as our culture is leaning more and more towards. As the saying goes, Everything in moderation. This would be a good tagline for the virtue of temperance. The Catholic tradition has always had an esteemed place for this virtue because it teaches that our passions are inherently good, for Jesus himself had a body and desires and feelings, etc. Jesus feasted and rested and drank and expressed his emotions, but in a way that was proportional to his context. What's more important is that our desires become oriented towards our flourishing, rather than to vice. So how does Aragorn exemplify the virtue of temperance? I feel a really good example is how he navigated his love relationship with Arwen, the daughter of Elrond. Their relationship is so beautiful and refreshing to witness, especially in how countercultural it is today. They were, in every sense of the word, chaste. Yet they were clearly deeply in love, have been for a very long time, and yet, no one could ever accuse Aragorn or Arwen of being a hopeless romantic or unhealthily infatuated. In fact, what makes Aragorn such an honourable man is that he was able to temper his desire for Arwen and the life they could have lived together in order to focus on his responsibilities for the fellowship. He was even ready to give her up to the Undying Lands in order to fulfil his rightful place as King of Gondor. He could have easily gone off with her to Valinor, and yet reason was able to temper his love for Arwen, 
and no one who reads the Lord of the Rings would say that he made the wrong move. Even when Arwen decides to choose a mortal life, a decision that would have been bittersweet for him, he accepted her decision, embraced her all the more for it, and eventually got married. See, in the theodrama of the Lord of the Rings, there is a time and place for Aragorn's love to blossom, but it had to happen after the War of the Ring. Hence, their eventual marriage is so beautiful because they practice temperance all throughout the saga until it was time for their love to fully consummate. And so, there we have it, a survey of the cardinal virtues of fortitude, justice, prudence and temperance, according to Aragorn. As we finish up this episode, you probably won't be surprised to guess what the practical pilgrim exercise is. To reflect upon how these virtues are currently operative in your life, and perhaps to choose one you'd like to exercise. I use the word exercise on purpose, because in fact, virtues are formed habits. They grow when they are practiced, until they are practiced so much that they become second nature, habitual. The real Aragorns of this world do not become great because they are born great, but because they have practiced virtue every day in little ways, so that when the time came, their actions naturally conformed to virtue. If you'd like to exercise one particular virtue, you can certainly pray that God creates little opportunities for you to exercise that muscle. I'll leave you with that invitation and challenge. Until next time, dear friends, journey forth, take care, and God bless.